So we kicked off our brand new message series, My Blessed Life, last week. And um, I don't know about you guys, but I've been so blessed by it. How many of y'all know that God's got to preach to me before I can preach to you? And God has given me um, such a word just about um, the life that God desires us to have. And it is a blessed life that God desires us to have. So I just want to give a little recap um, of what we learned last week. And the first uh, lesson that we learned last week is that Jesus became so we could become. Jesus became poor so we could become rich. Jesus became sin so that we can become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I don't know about y'all, but that is good news to me. I'm glad that Jesus became a curse so that I could become blessed, that Jesus is the serum that caused us to be healed. Jesus is the serum that caused our sins to be forgiven. Um, we also learn what blessed actually means. We learn that blessed means that um, to have a supernatural power working for you. How many of y'all need a supernatural power working in your marriage? Come on, how many of us need a supernatural power working on our job? How many of y'all know that we need a supernatural power at work in us every single day, right? So Jesus became a curse so that we can receive the blessing of God. And the blessing of God, we learn, is an empowerment from God to cause us to prosper. God wants us to prosper in our health. God wants us to prosper in our finances. God wants us to prosper in our families. God wants us to prosper in every area of our lives. How many of y'all know God wants your soul to prosper? Come on, man, is it well with our soul today? God desires us to prosper deep down on the inside of us, the parts that get broken, the parts that get hurt, the parts that get, you know, that, that has gotten mistreated throughout the years. God wants every area of our lives to prosper. He wants us to be blessed. He wants to be the supernatural power at work in us to, to propel us on to a blessed life. But blessed, of course, means to have a power working for us. But cursed means to have a supernatural power working against you. So I don't know about you all, but I want to learn everything that God has to offer about the blessing so that I can make sure that I have a supernatural power working for me and my household. And my prayer for you, I've been praying all week for this moment. I've been praying all week for you guys. I got here extra early, and I just want to shout out the Vibe team real quick. Thank you all so much for being excellent, guys. We have a group of, yes, please give them a hand clap. But we have a group of volunteers that come 7.30 in the morning to set up. And they set up so wonderfully with grace, and they've given me an opportunity to be able to pray. And I've been praying for you guys since 5 o'clock this morning, and I laid hands on every single seat in here, and I believe that there's a supernatural power that you're sitting in right now. But God desires for us to, make, to, to know that we are the blessed of God. So today, we are going to talk about the keys that unlock God's blessing, his supernatural blessing 
on our lives. There is a supernatural blessing that we can walk in, but there is also a supernatural curse that we could be walking in by ignorance. And we want to make sure that we go through the word of God and know what God's blessing is and how we can walk in it. So today, we are going to talk about the fan favorite of tithing. I know, I know. I didn't expect any amens. I didn't expect to get shouted down on the, the, the subject matter of tithing. But listen, check this out. I don't want you to be weird about it. I want, what I want is for us to have um, an object, uh, objectivity today to make sure that we keep a mind that's so open to God in the subject matter of tithing. I'll be the first to tell you, I've heard almost every tithing message there is. I've been in church since my mama was pregnant with me, right? Like, so I, I, I've heard so many things, but until the last few years, I have gotten a revelation of tithing. And I want to share a revelation about tithing to you all today. And it's so important that we get it. So here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about why God commands the tithe. And we're also going to talk about what happens when we tithe. And then we're going, to ha- we're going to talk about what happens when we don't tithe. So I want to talk about these things on today. So now listen, I know, I know it gets weird. People think you shouldn't talk about money when you come to church. People think that you should, you know, that's kind of like there's two things you don't talk about, politics and money, mind your business, right? But did you know, did you know that in the Bible... There are over 500 times that the Bible references, there are scriptures that reference prayer. And listen, prayer is like one of the pillars of our faith, right? Like we have to make sure that we have constant contact with God, that we have access to God, that we have the right to pray to God, that when we pray, we believe we receive. And not only does he hear us, but he answers us. Come on, somebody. God hears us when we pray. There are over 500 scriptures that deal with prayer. And then there's nearly 500 scriptures that deal with faith. 500 scriptures that deal with faith. And we know that the word of God says that without faith, it is impossible to what? To please God. So we know that we have to have faith, but check this next stat out. Did you know that there are over 2,000 verses in the Bible that talk about money? Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Prayer, about 500. Faith, about 500. Money, about 2,000. So I think it is so clear that God desires us to know how to handle money and what money is for. Can the church say amen on that? Come on, like y'all, like, like, like I, might, I might have to solicit amens today, right? Like, but I really believe that you'll walk away with a deep revelation of the tithe. That is my prayer today because it is the key to unlock your blessed life. So look, um, I want to say it this way. The key that unlocks your blessed life is the principle of the firstborn. The key to unlocking your blessed life is understanding the principle of the firstborn. 
If you guys could, go to Proverbs chapter 3 for me. Proverbs chapter 3. And I can almost, I mean, there may be some people here today that have heard of the principle of the firstborn. But if you have not, please lean into this talk. I mean, when I, say, when I say lean in, I mean have some great expectation that God is going to have a due season word for you that will unlock God's blessing upon your lives. So Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. I want to start there. I'm going to read out of the New, New, uh, New King James Version of the Bible. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. It says, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your pathway. So the principle of the firstborn requires trust. Number one, trust. The principle of the firstborn requires trust. I want everybody to see this. I want everybody to get this. The principle of the firstborn, it requires trust. So look, you can't live your blessed life and you only trust God partly, I'm sorry. Like, we have to have trust. We, our, our whole relationship with God has to be anchored in, the tr- in trusting God with not elements of our heart, not a portion of our heart, not rations of our heart, but our entire hearts needs to trust God. Our whole heart needs to trust God. So you can't live your blessed life and say, God, I'll trust you with my health. I'll trust you with my kids. I'll trust you with my spouse or my soon-to-be spouse. Or I know I, don't, I ain't met Bay yet, but I'm going to trust you with Bay when I get one. I'm going to trust you with my family, but I won't trust you with my finances. No, we've got to trust God with our entire heart. Our blessed life requires trust. And if you're anything like me, you think you're a know-it-all, right? Right? Like, you, like, like, like we think we know it all about our spouse. We think we know it all about our career. We think we know all about our job. We know everything that there is to know about parenting. Yeah, right. Just wait till your baby about two minutes old, two minutes old, right? Like we think we know it all. We think we have it all together. But the word of God clearly says, don't lean on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. What is the scripture actually saying? The scripture is telling us what you know is not enough for you to lean on. The scripture is actually letting you know what you know, your current information, your current knowledge base is not enough for you to, to lean on. What you know, your knowledge is not strong enough to support the weight of your life. So what is God saying? Don't lean on what you know. Lean on what I know. Lean on what I know. Because the last time I checked, God is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He knows everything. He knows the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. He knows how many hairs you have on your head. For some of us older guys, he knows how many hairs you used to have. He knows it all. 
He knows it all. He knows everything about everything. He knows every detail of your life. He knows all about your past. He knows all about your present, and he holds your future. I think it's wise for us to lean on him, right? And when we lean on him, then it says acknowledge. What are we acknowledging? I don't know it all, God. God, I'm in this situation, and I don't know what to do. I need you. You want to answer prayer? You ought to pray that way. God, I, I'm, I'm dealing with this situation, and I have no idea what to do next. I need you. I'm acknowledging that I don't know, but you know. God, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I trust you. God, I don't, I don't know what's going on in my relationship, but I trust you. I don't know what's going on in my finances, but I trust you. I don't know what's going on with my kid, but I trust you. I don't know what's happening in my life, but I trust you. Then he will make your path straight. Then he will direct your path. Then he will give you the answer. You don't get an answer when you're trying to lean on your own wisdom. You get an answer when you acknowledge him. Am I preaching good? Because I'm, I'm struggling for shouts right now. I'm struggling for amens right now. But look, so look, we have to trust God. You know, um, trusting God is the first thing that is required if you're going to understand the principle of the firstborn. Now let's look at, let's look at verses 9 and 10. It says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. The scriptures that we just read, trusting God with your whole heart, yeah, we can attribute it to family. Yes, we can attribute it, you know, to our job and to everyday wisdom. But what the proverb is really talking about is trusting God with your whole heart with what's in your wallet. Ooh, I'm preaching good. The scripture is actually saying trust God with your whole heart regarding your finances. It's actually saying, it's saying lean not on your own understanding, on your, your own budget breakdown, but, but lean towards my understanding with finances. And, and then it's saying, acknowledge me with your finances. How many times have we made a money decision and we did not consult with God? It is so quiet. Like, no... <laughs> No diss to the Catholic church, but this feels like one right now because you're not allowed to shout in a Catholic church. Last I checked, we vibe city church and we be loud up in this mug, right? So look, like the scripture is actually letting us know in detailing, trust God with everything that you have. Trust God with your possessions. Trust God with, watch this, your first fruits. And then it's saying, hey, look, you've been leaning on your own insight for your finances for too long. How's that working out for you? Come on. I know the answer. You ain't got to say nothing. How's that working out? Like, like how's it really working out? It, he says, like, lean not on your own understanding and then acknowledge me. What is God saying? Give me access to what you have so that I can give you what you don't. And 
Acknowledge me. Acknowledge me. I know more than you. Look, we need to acknowledge that our budget, what we know of finance, is not more than what God knows. Come on. He knows. Come on, he knows. He knew about the cutback. He knew about the layoffs. Like, he knew about it all. Acknowledge me. God knew about it all. He knew about the job opportunities. He knew about it all. And you led by what you think would pay you more. I know more is what God is saying. Acknowledge me. Let me in. Give me access. Give me access. And and so verse 9 and 10 again, it says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your increase. Why? So your barns will be filled with plenty. Anybody got a barn in here? Anybody? We, we, got, we got one person with it. Look, we, in a, we're, we are in Texas. It is quite possible. Okay? I am from Detroit. I, I know nothing about agriculture at all. Okay? All I know is it rains, the sun comes out, things grow. That is all I know. But back in this time, the, 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 the king of the economy was agriculture. That you were wealthy based upon the state of your barn. Well, most of us don't have a barn, but if you do, man, really own this. Like, let this be your staple scripture, okay? But for the rest of us, like, so for barns, like, like, like we can say our bank account. So your bank account will be filled with plenty but, but it's conditional, right? This, this scripture has two parts. There's a command and there's a promise. There's a command and then there's a promise. God loves us unconditionally, but the blessing is conditional. Y'all get that? Did y'all get that? God loves us unconditionally, but there is a condition to the blessing. So, so again, the scripture says, honor, honor God with your possessions, Honor God with your possessions and honor God with with the first fruits of all your increase. That's the net. That's the net. You know how you, when like you get paid net gross, that is the net. Like honor me with all of your increase. Every time you get paid, honor me. Honor me says God. And then when you do you unlock the blessing of having plenty in your barns or in your bank account, and then you'll have overflow, the scripture says. You'll have overflow. But we've got to believe, if we believe that the Bible is true, which I believe wholeheartedly that I believe every word in the Bible. I don't pick and choose. This isn't like a smorgasbord or a platter. Like, like this isn't a buffet where I'm like, yeah, I'll take the mashed potatoes. I'll take the chicken. You can say the corn. You can save all the green things. I'm, I don't want any green things. I want all the breads. I want all the starches, right? Like, this isn't how that looks. Come on, man. Like, everybody in America, like, bread makes everything better, right? Like, butter, come on. Butter on bread, really? Come on, who's about that roll? Like, come on, right? Like, give me the roll. Soak it up in all the butter. But we can't do the word of God like that. We have to accept every word of the word of God. 
and the word of God tells us, and it gives us, it lays out a condition. He's like, hey, check it out. If you do this, then you'll get this. We all see that in the word of God clearly, that if we will operate in this, we will have this. So we will have overflow if we give. We will have overflow if we honor God with our first. We will have overflow if we honor God with our first. But if we believe that to be true, we also have to believe the opposite. That if we don't honor God with our possessions. Come on, somebody. Remember, we talked about a blessing and a curse. We talked about an, an empowerment to prosper. And we talked about a supernatural uh, uh, empowerment for us to do well. Or a supernatural power working for us is the blessing. But a curse is having a supernatural power working against us. Has it ever felt like you had something working against you where you could not get ahead? Listen, y'all need to level up right now, okay? Because my preaching is better than your amens, and y'all need to level up. Turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, level up. <laughs> level up. Don't let, me, don't let me say something good and y'all not shouting me down, Right? But check it out, man, like, like we, have to believe, we have to believe the opposite is true when it comes to this verse, that if we don't honor God with our possessions, if we don't honor God with our first, then we'll have a supernatural power working against us, and we won't have plenty. We'll be on empty. You won't be in overflow. You will owe. I'm preaching good. I almost took a lap right there. I almost jumped off the stage and went all Pentecostal on y'all and took a lap around this whole auditorium. Y'all better level up. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to shout myself down. How about that? Can I do that? Am I allowed, for that? Am I allowed to do that? Will y'all, will y'all come back if I shout myself down? So look, so, so the principle of the firstborn requires trust, but number two, it requires honor. And look, I am all about God's grace. I thank God for God's grace. It was his grace that saved me. It is by grace through faith that we are saved. It is out of the abundance of grace that God has, has given me opportunity to get it right after time, after time, after time, after time, after time. God is rich in mercy. He is rich in grace. But the presence of grace is not the absence of honor. If anything, if I understand God's grace, I want to honor him more. Because if it wasn't for the abundance of grace that he poured out on me, come on, I will be dead in my sins. I would still be depressed. I would still be anxious. I would still be sick. I would be probably in somebody's jail cell or in a box right now. But God. But God. So I understand what he poured out on me, so I want to pour out honor on him. And how we do this, and this isn't an abstract idea. Scripture makes it so plain. Honor me with your possession and your first. The first of all your increase or all your income. Honor me. And so look, here's what should make it really easy. Let's look at James chapter 1 verse 17. It says, every good, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, 
and comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation, shadow of turning. So every good gift, every good thing that is in your life came from God. Come on, your house came from God. Your apartment came from God. Your car came from God. Your finances came from God. Your savings account came from God. Your 401k plan, it all came from God. So if it came from God, we ought to give God access to what we have. I got one amen. I'm keeping count today. Who's? I'm joking. I'm joking. I would never do that, ever do that. Psych. Um, but listen, so if it came from God, we ought to honor God with what he has already given us. So look, the first, I, I want you to get this, firstborn, First fruits and tithing are used interchangeably in Scripture. Firstborn, first fruits, tithing are used interchangeably through Scripture. All right? So the principle of the first is bringing God your first, get this, as a sacrificial offering. Why? Because it belongs to him. This is the part that, that we miss. We actually think we, we have a choice with what God has called us to steward. Everything that you have, don't, it, they, it doesn't belong to you. And if you, would, if you would get that revelation, it would make tithing so much easier for you. That what you have is not yours. The word of God says that the whole earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Come on, all the cattle, all the flock, all the livestock, all the accounts, you know, all the bank accounts, all the credit lines, it all belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. So if it already belongs to God and you view yourself not as the owner but the steward of what he gave you, this is why if you search scripture, the scripture never tells us to give tithes. Scriptures tell us to bring the tithe. It's like, um, um, so, uh, you know, I, I've, I've had people take me to the airport, right? Like, I've had people take me to the airport several times. And a couple times it's like, well, hey, while I'm out of town, can I drive your car, right? And, um, and so I'm like, well, yeah, no problem. You know, I won't be home, you know, so just take care of Black Diamond the way that I would take care of Black Diamond, Right? Black Diamond kind of getting on hoopty status now, though. Like, my car almost 10 years old. But anyway, um, bless it, God. Um, but, but, but I'd say, yeah, you know, no, no problem. You can, you can hold my car, take care of it, just make sure you pick me back up from the airport. And so on those occasions, if, if the people that I've allowed to drive my car while I've been out of town, what if that person approached me and said, hey, um, you know, uh, Pastor, uh, you know, I was just, I was just praying and... Um, you know, the, the Lord, you know, the Lord told me to, 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 to give you this car when he picked me up in my own car. The, the Lord, I, I've been praying, and I really sense that God is leading me to give you this car. And I'm like, bro, like, the car is mine. What are you talking about? He's like, yeah, I know, but, but, but I just want to give it to you. Well, that's how foolish we look when we think we're bringing God a tithe, and a tithe already belongs to him. It already belongs to him. It already belongs to him. 
God has given you 100% of what you have, and the tithe is the tenth part. The tithe, tithe actually means the tenth part. The tenth part. And God is saying, listen, I want you to bring the tenth part back to me. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start unpacking why. All right? So there's a couple things that you need to know because there's a lot of Christians here, you know, out here today, and we've said, you know what? Um, the God of the New Testament doesn't require the tithe. I don't believe in that. I think that's a part of the law. That's legalism. Don't put that bondage on me. Well, everything that we're about to explore is going to give you biblical truth about why the tithe. Did you know that the tithe was around before the law? Come on. Cain and Abel brought, tithe. well, one of them, actually, Abel brought a tithe to God. Cain brought an offering. There's a difference between the two. There's a reason why God was pleased with Abel's offering, but not Cain's. Abel brought his first harvest to God. He brought of the first harvest to God. Cain took his time to make sure that he had enough for himself before he gave to God. And God was displeased. There wasn't a law in the Garden of Eden. The law did not come to, into effect until the exodus of the children of God out of Egyptian bondage, right? So there's scripture after scripture. Did you know that Adam was to pay a tithe? Listen, think about it. God said, Adam, you can have everything in this garden except this one tree. God will never allow us to have everything. Because if we had everything, why would we need him? It's the principle of the firstborn. It's the principle of the firstborn. He's like, you can have everything. I'm going to make sure you are taken care of, son. But this one thing, that belongs to me. Listen, um, man, so we were all born into sin, all of us. We were all born into sin. My five-year-old was born into sin. You ain't, look, I did not have to coach her, hey, um, this is how you be disobedient, baby girl. No, I have spent five years trying to teach her obedience. Sometimes we get it. <laughs> Other times, not so much. So, but check this out, though. I believe that all babies, at some point, their first word that they really get, like they really get, like real strong, mine. 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 Right? You put two two-year-olds in the same room and you put one toy down, you will have World War III on your hands in less than five seconds. What are you going to hear? mine, and they're going to be grabbing at it, grabbing at it. Well, how many times have we still had that in us when God gives us wages and we like, uh, mine, 10% mine, mine. It belongs to me, mine, mine. Well, check this out. Everything has to either be sacrificed 
or redeemed. We are about to get into the firstborn. I'm excited. Are you excited? I don't believe that, but I'm going to continue. Um, thanks for trying to appease me, though. Um, let's go to Exodus chapter 13. Exodus 13. And I'm going to read verses 1 and 2, and then I'm going to read verses 12 and 13. But before I do, I just really think that the, there's so much irony in what we're about to share. So much irony. So I want to set the table because everything that is preached should be in context. So this is what we have to understand about this situation. All right? Exodus chapter 12, we're not going to read it, but Exodus chapter 12 is where God liberated the children of Israel from Egyptian bondage. They were just brought out of slavery. They were just brought out of slavery. And they did not leave empty-handed. God had the children of Israel, or they had the, the Egyptians give them all their silver. Come on, somebody. Give them all their gold. Give them all of their clothes. He, they gave them all their jewelry. They gave them cattle. And if you had cattle, you had a means to get wages. And they're coming out rich. But we're about to see something. Because at the end of chapter 12, they're coming out. But there is something that they had to do before God let them go in to the promised land. Let's look at verse 1. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both man and beast, it is mine. It belongs to me. Y'all see this, right? God plainly said to consecrate all firstborn. To consecrate. Consecrate means to set aside. It means to set aside. So God is saying set aside every firstborn, whether it's an animal or a human being, I say that it belongs to me. Set it aside. And so what we have to understand is under Old Testament law, all firstborn humans and animals, again, were to be set aside for God. He plainly says that the firstborn belongs to me. Do we all, are we all kind of starting to see a, a trend here? The firstborn belongs to God. And now I want to look at verses 12 and 13. It says that you shall set apart or consecrate to the Lord all that, that open the womb. That is every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have. The male shall be the Lord's. But get this, every firstborn of a donkey shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. And all the firstborn of man among your sons shall be redeemed. So now check this out. The Old Testament law... Um, the Old Testament law, under Old Testament law, lambs were considered clean. S the spotless lamb. We've all heard these phrases before. If you haven't, allow me to introduce you to it today. That the, uh, under Old Testament law, a lamb was considered to be clean. But then the scripture also references donkeys. And donkeys are considered unclean. I'm sure you can imagine why. And we've all been donkeys before in our lives. Right? So check this out. 
Were you born clean? Were you born clean? Or do you have a need to be redeemed? Come on. I'm going somewhere with that, guys. Were you born clean? Were you spotless? Come on. Has your desires always been well? Can we be honest today that sometimes our desires are not well right now, even after we've said yes to Jesus? Y'all too quiet for me on that point. Don't leave me up here saying amen by myself. Because I have some unhealthy desires, even right here, right now, pastoring a church. I am unclean. I am considered unclean. And I am in desperate need to be redeemed. Well, if a lamb was born, and this lamb was the firstborn, this lamb had to be sacrificed as the firstborn offering to God. Why? So that the rest can be redeemed. And if a donkey was born, firstborn, that donkey would be redeemed by the perfect lamb. But check this out, though. It says that if the person refused to sacrifice the donkey, the donkey's neck would be broken. Check this out. If you refuse to give God the first, you will be broken. We, re- we wonder and we realize, why am I having so much frustration in this area of my life? Why can't my money grow? I'm trying to follow every principle. I'm trying to do all of these things that I'm trying to set aside and save. But it seems like every time I try to, I, I try to do something right, something goes out at the house or my car starts having trouble and money just seems to have to fly out of my hands. It will be broken unless it's given. Every first thing that is given is never lost. But any first thing that isn't given will always be lost. Are you hearing me, church? Are you hearing me, church? Like, like I want y'all to kind of get this, right? So the children of Israel got loaded down with prosperity before they left Egyptian bondage. But all throughout the Old Testament, you're going to see a principle that they're going to spend a season honoring God, but then they'll spend a, a whole season dishonoring him. They'll forget that he was the one to bless them, and then they lose it all. Anytime you forget where your blessings come from, you will lose it all. There is a principle that God has set up in the earth where it's seed, time, and harvest. It is seed. It is time. It is harvest. If you sow seed and you give God time, you will reap a harvest. But if there ain't no seed, you're going to go through time after time after time, and it's going to be empty. It's going to be empty. So I want to break this down for you guys even further, right? So these sacrifices were made, again, for three reasons. This lamb was sacrificed for three reasons. Number one, to cover the sins of the people. That's number one. The, the, the sacrifice was made because the sins of the people needed to be covered. And number two, to ensure that the blessing of God would rest upon the people. That if you made sacrifice, you unlock the blessing of God. When you give God your first when you give him the 
first 10, when you give them the first 10% of your earning, of your income, you will unlock the blessing of God on your life. But check it out, though. It also ensured that the curse would not rest upon them. Remember, I want to, I want to, I want to, I'm going to backtrack it a little bit um, in just a second to tie in last week to this week. So check this out. Um, when they brought this tithe, right, when they sacrificed that firstborn, there was two things that they gave. There was two things that they had. Number one, they had gratitude. They, they were grateful that God brought them out of bondage, that God brought them out of slavery. And I don't know about you, but somebody may ask me, like, why do you give so much money? And again, I've been tithing for years, well before this church, well before I worked for 10 years at another church. Like, I have been a faithful tither for years. And people will ask me, why are you giving all that money to your church? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? You got to be out of your mind to do that. I'm like, no, no, no. See, you don't understand where I came from and where God has brought me out of. When you understand what God has brought you from, when you understand. Listen, I, I, I take a look at my life. And I remember how depressed I was. I remember how afflicted I was. I remember how much pain I suffered. I remember all the sin that weighed me down. I remember the suicidal thoughts. But God, who is rich in mercy, with a mighty hand, he brought me out. Because he brought me out, I bring the tithe. Come on, man. Because he brought me out, I bring the tithe. How could I, if God has been so good, how can I keep what he commands? Jesus. If God has been so good, how could I ever keep what he commands? How could I keep it? He didn't withhold any grace. He didn't withhold any love. He didn't withhold any mercy. He didn't withhold any compassion. He didn't withhold any of his goodness. He kept giving me blessing on blessing on blessing. How could I not come back and give God what he already, what already belongs to him? It already belongs to him. Listen, I've got this revelation that everything that I have does not belong to me. Everything that I have is a good gift given from a good God, and he has access to every good thing that I have. Everything. He owns it all. He owns it all. Every bit of it, he owns it. So they, they had two things, again, when they, when they set, made sacrifice. They had gratitude. But they also had faith. You see, it was an in-between time. Children of Israel were brought out with a promise that they would inherit what God had for them. You see, when we make sacrifice, we ought to have gratitude because God brought us out. But we ought to have faith for where he's going to take us. Church, you missed an amazing place to shout and say amen. Just going to tell you. You did. I'm going to say it again because I care about you. Um, <laughs> man, look, listen. They had gratitude. When they gave, they had gratitude because of where God brought, what God brought them out of. But they had 
faith when they made sacrifice that God would keep his end of the deal and get them to where they were going. Like he made promise that he had a promised land for the children of Israel. He had a promised land for them. And when we make sacrifice, we ought to remember where God brought us from, but we ought to have faith for where God promises to take us, that if I make this sacrifice, I know you got to come through for me. That if, if I make this sacrifice, God, I know that you, have, you are a man that you are not a man that you should lie. Come on, that's what we got to understand and know. God is more faithful than any man you've ever come across. He is more faithful than even your own commitment and your standard. God is so faithful that if he speaks something, it becomes reality. And if God has spoken to you about your future, if God has spoken to you about your marriage, if God has spoken to you about your health, if God has spoken to you about your finances, if God has spoken to you about your children and your children's children and your children's 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 children's, you have something to believe God for. God made a promise and he cannot lie. It will never return to him void. So check this out. I'm going to abbreviate. Jesus is God's tithe to us. You see, God will never ask you to do something that he hasn't already done. Did he ask you to give up your kid? No. Could he have? Yeah, he could have. But he gave his only begotten son. He gave his only son, his prized possession.